Welcome to OGGN's Mixer Connections podcast. Here each month, the insights and stories from the people and companies that make our industry mixers possible are captured while also allowing us to contribute to charity. So here's your host, Kamal Kar. Hey everybody, it's Mark Lacour back here at the Mixer Connection, and it is late June, and we're in Calgary, Alberta, in a really cool place called National, so it's on the 10th, you want to come check it out, and I'm sitting in a room called the Wood Library, and we'll have some pictures and videos, it is literally a library of different types of wood, and it's beautiful, but we're not here to talk about wood, which you can make all the jokes you want, uh, we're here to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Canadian oil and gas industry, very specifically Alberta. And I'm sitting here with some guests. I have Connor O'Shea with me. Connor, how are you doing today? Very good. Evan Jube, how are you doing? Excited to be here. And we have Suzette Rainey sitting to my right. We've been discussing different types of alcohol, so you're definitely part of the family. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm <laughs> doing good, thanks. All right, Connor, I want to start with you. Co-founder and CEO of WestGen Technology, soon to be covert. How did you start your company? What does your company do? Sure, that's a good question. So my background, I'm a mechanical engineer. I worked at Shell for 13 years. Studying an MBA, and at a certain point, I realized I had run out of excuses to pursue my dream of starting a company. So in 2019, I left Shell, and basically, myself and a co-founder, we started the company based on an experience that he had had in his career, and he was designing well sites for oil and gas facilities, and he had seen this issue with methane emissions going into the atmosphere from the sites, and we said, you know, that doesn't really make very much sense. Let's see if we can find a better way to solve that problem. And so four years ago, we got together and we created a solution and that's how we got started. Yeah. And the industry needs more and more solutions like that. So methane emissions, big issue all over the world, right? You have parts of the world that deal with it by flaring. You have parts of the world that unfortunately don't even flare it and vent it to the atmosphere, but you have other parts of the world that care and that are trying to do something with that methane. And that's exactly what y'all are doing, correct? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, methane is another word for natural gas. It's the main component of natural gas. And an interesting thing is that if we don't vent it into the atmosphere or flare it, we can sell it and we can make money. Yep. You can put it back in the market. You can actually utilize it. So when you flare it, there are pennies going out the door. And we don't want that to happen from both from a fiscal point of view or environmental point of view. So the Canadian oil and gas industry, one of the largest exporters of hydrocarbons in the world, in the last few years, there's been a pretty big negative public perception against the industry. And I really think part of that negative public perception is people just don't understand the value that we bring and the fact that we care about the environment. Do you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. And this is, you know, this is actually one of the reasons that Ben and I started the company is because we thought energy and in particular, the oil and gas industry is extremely important to the prosperity of people. And I'm going to go on a rant if you don't stop me. So That's the pose of the podcast. Please <laughs> rant on. Okay. So a lot of people call it an energy transition, which would imply that we're moving away from something and moving to something else. And that's actually just not the reality of the planet that we live on. And so at WestGen, we call it energy evolution. And because we think that more accurately reflects what's happening, which is that there is a energy mix today, which has a number of different sources of energy, and each of those sources has different characteristics. And by and large, that energy mix is a reflection of what society has valued for the last 100 years. Society's values are changing. So in addition to cheap, secure, safe, and available, or I said cheap, in addition to those things, people want sustainable energy now too. And so that is something that is an evolution over time in that as we go through time, both the proportion of the sources in the energy mix and the characteristics of them are going to evolve to reflect what society needs. 
but that evolution doesn't happen by itself. It takes innovators. And so that was what we kind of saw and why we started the company, because we wanted to be part of that. And our energy mix has always changed. Not that long ago, we thought killing whales was a great way to light our homes, right? Humans started off with biofuels, right? Burning wood. So to your point, that mix will change. It's not a transition. It is evolution. I love the way you're thinking about that. Evan. Hey, Mark. <laughs> so when you think of companies that help with these problems, with help with the technology that's needed, one of the first ones I think of is Emerson. So you want to talk a little bit about how you play a role in all of this? Yeah, absolutely. And for those that don't know, Emerson is a global technology solutions powerhouse. For 100 plus years, we've been supporting the development and been a leader in the manufacturing of automation hardware that goes out on sites to provide visibility part of the engineering services that go into supporting the industry, and more recently, being kind of a technology leader when it comes to software. And kind of bringing those components together, giving energy producers and other forward-thinking businesses that are in the industrial space visibility to what they're doing and running that operation and their critical assets more efficiently, not only to manage cash flow better, but also to be able to gain insight into what their business is doing and how to do it better. Yeah. And I've known y'all forever. One of the things I've loved, y'all were one of the original process control companies, right? Analog circus, PCMs, and y'all have moved with times, moved the technology. And now you're doing things like collecting all this data, using big data analytics, coming back to your customers and helping them solve really hard business problems. So in some ways you can look at you as a problem solver. Yeah, I love that. I think the idea is that data is a messy word in the industry, and it's really about finding ways for it to be actionable and giving customers insight because, you know, there's a lot of knowledge shared and there's a lot of experience in collecting that information that Emerson's been a part of and moving forward. And that's why there's a strategic shift as the business to be more of a software dominant company, because we know that's the future. We built a legacy in understanding how to collect the information. Now we're doing something with it. Yeah. And you're an insider, right? You know, the industry, you know, the culture, you know, the lingo, you're concerned about HSE metrics. You know, your guys in the field are great. Every time I see Emerson truck out somewhere, I know that somebody's doing something right and doing it safely. And y'all take pride in that. And I just want to commend you for it. I, there's a lot of process controls companies out there. All of them do really good stuff. I think y'all are one of the shining stars above everybody else. Little bit different here in Canada. Recently, we had some elections, which the basically the incumbent stayed in place. Can we talk a little bit about what does that mean? both here in Alberta and also maybe as a greater reflection of the public perception of the oil and gas industry and how that affects things moving forward. Yeah, I know. There was an election provincially last month. So just my quick background, I've grown up in Alberta. I've been very proud of this province and what it's provided to the rest of Canada and the world when it comes to energy production. But I have a unique perspective. I've spent the last three years living in the U.S., and I see what different regulatory environments and how they impact development when it comes to oil and gas and energy producers. And it's encouraging to see that the now existing incumbent government here is backing the industry. You know, there's different things federally going on and there's still challenges and roadblocks ahead. But I think to your point, it's around education. And I love what Connor was saying that it's kind of on the industry too, to help educate everyone. There's maybe we haven't done a good enough job of helping share that story internationally, what we do domestically, what we do and what it means for every single citizen here in the province of Alberta and then across Canada. Yeah. I do think as an industry, we need to raise our hand and take ownership of this public perception problem because for the last 75 years, 
when somebody says something wrong, either on purpose or accidentally about an industry, we never stop and correct them. And then you add the layer of social media and the reach, and all of a sudden, somebody has the ears of millions and misinformation gets spread around the world in seconds. And as an industry, we need to take politics out of this and opinions out of this. And let's just put the facts out there and talk about the benefits of hydrocarbons because they're enormous. Modern society could not exist without them. So when I think of Canadian politics, it's a little bit different than in the U.S. because the political structure is a little bit different. But the Canadian oil workers seem to have been beat up, disheartened, just dragged through the mud to the point that when I meet somebody that works in the industry here in Canada, there's like a sense of relief when I tell them in the oil and gas industry, almost like they can feel like they're safe, right? And I want the Canadian oil and gas workers to understand you need to be proud damn proud of what you do, what industry you do. You make modern life possible. And even though public opinion and politics have gotten in the way of showcasing that, the pendulum will swing. And our industry needs everybody. We don't just need oil field workers. We're not just heavy, dirty steel. We need data scientists, right? Projects accountants. And we do some of the coolest stuff in the world. If you're a tech person, we do more tech than anybody out there. So if you're listening to me, and you work in the oil and gas industry, and you work in Canada, be proud of what you do. Know that pendulum will swing back. Hold your head up high. You make modern life possible. And no matter what any political group puts together, people will have to buy and use hydrocarbons. And let's hope that they can continue to buy and use local hydrocarbons here and in other parts. We have some of the same problems in the states that you have here. And what I don't want to see is hydrocarbon recovery and refining being moved outside of the countries that actually have hydrocarbons under their feet. And we need to keep it here. Canada produces some of the cleanest hydrocarbon molecules in the world. People don't understand that. I want to get to you, Suzette. Real quick, you're the vice president. Is it Autosol? Yes. Yeah. What does Autosol do? How did you get in this industry? Autosol is a software company. We have helped companies get data from the field, different pipelines, production, gas utilities. All have different types of devices that they're getting data from that needs to get to SCADA systems, to measurement systems, so that they can make decisions based on that data. We have been in business for over 30 years in growing with different technologies and evolving just like the industry. I started as a receptionist 29 years ago and have continued to grow with the company as the company has grown. I also, kind of like Evan in reverse, was able to get the unique perspective of being in Canada and the U.S. because I moved up to Calgary in 2011 to open the Canadian office and have been very blessed to be able to experience the different culture, the ability to learn more about the Alberta and also Canadian industry from the oil and gas perspective. But then in 2020, I moved back to the U.S. 30 years ago. Wow, Huge difference 20. in technology, right? <laughs> Golly. So 30 years ago, everything was still analog. Things like storage was ridiculously expensive. There was no broadband, right? Things like compute on the edge was a dream. It's interesting. The conversations that we get to have now, for the most part, it's been OPC, OPC, OPC. And now we get to have a little bit different conversations about MQTT and edge computing and cloud. It's definitely interesting to see where technology is going to take us. It's going to take us forward. I think technology is something this industry is needed. The other thing we're struggling with is talent, hiring talent. And if you can't hire enough people, one of the only solutions out there is technology. The other thing about it is lately, a lot of the technology has become so inexpensive. It makes sense, right? Um, I'd love to have you all, the three of y'all chime in on that. I mean, things like sensors, connectivity has gotten to the point where it used to be prohibitively expensive to sensorize a well. Now I think the problem is it's become too cheap and you have masses of data that nobody knows what to do with. You want to jump into that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. You know, it's a blessing in disguise. 
but back to my earlier point, it's about what you're doing with it, right? And you know, Emerson's fortunate enough to work with great partners like Autosol to be able to gain access to that information. But back to your point about the skill set, here in Alberta, we have some of the best institutes for technology in the world. In Edmonton and Calgary, each have a Nate and Sate, respectively. Then there's people being turned out of those programs that can really help understand what that information is trying to tell them, right? So you're right, we don't have to go anywhere else. The knowledge is here, the talent is here. And now that we're fortunate enough to have enough information, it's about what we're going to do with it. And I think it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for the industry. It shouldn't be something that we shy away from. I don't think anyone is. I think everyone understands the value of it. Yeah. The other thing that you see a lot of is, and I've seen this quite often, is a lot of times, especially large organizations, will look at a problem and what they'll want to do is find a technology solution to the problem not always understanding that maybe the solution does not have to be a new implementation that maybe exists. You could implement use existing technology. You don't have to forklift because a lot of people, when you hear me talk about technology solutions, they think price. Oh no, another whole installation of this. And in today's world with things like API, with a lot of the process controller people no longer locking everything down to their own proprietary software makes things cheaper. So if you're a smaller independent operator and you think that maybe some of these tech solutions are beyond your budget, I'm telling you, they're not. You can actually compete with the larger guys today, which I think is really cool. Absolutely. I would, anytime that we talk to a customer that's like looking to shift some from something traditional, you know, from like SCADA, what have you, and they're looking at something edge related, I always want to know what problem are you trying to solve? You know, how are we going to measure the success of this situation? And not just throw technology at it just because you like technology. And I love technology. So, but still, we want to know what problem you're trying to solve. What KPI are you trying to measure? What are we trying to get to? Is it a regulatory something? Are we going to get more data because you have spotty communication and now you can make sure that you have the communication and have the data that you need to do regulatory reporting? Or are you trying to do analytics to optimize something? Just what problem are you trying to solve? Yeah, regulatory compliance, production, health, safety, environmental. I mean, you can solve so many problems when you have the data to understand what that problem is. I do think, though, that there's still a bit of that kind of good old boy mentality saying, well, we've never done that before, so why should we do it now? And one of the things I think is really cool is this new younger workforce that's coming in is going, why? Right? They've grown up with technology, so I think the adaptation now is much easier in oil and gas companies than it was, say, 10 or 15 years ago. Okay, so next thing I want to talk about as my computer shuts itself off, speaking of technology, is if you don't know, uh, this is the OGGN's industry mixer that we do every month in Houston. We brought it here in Calgary. We're looking to do one more often in Calgary. Hope to do one every month, maybe every other month. The proceeds for this is actually going to the Calgary Police Youth Foundation. So the couple dollars people spent to come to this or go to a really good cause. A big shout out to all the companies here. So a WestGen Technology, soon to be Coverg, Emerson, and then Autosol. You know, thank you very much for helping sponsor this. You help some little kids out. But the other thing is, this is a way for us to start building community. You know, if you don't know who Oil and Gas Global Network is, shame on you. Just type in Oil and Gas Podcast. We should come up first. We have quite a few podcasts. And part of our mission is, number one, we're trying to help educate the world and the value of hydrocarbons. Number two, we're trying to support the workers that make this industry possible. And number three, we're building a community. So to us, for everybody that works at OGGN, everybody's family that works in oil and gas space, right? And we'd like to have more of a regular occurrence here in Calgary. 
number one, to interface our communities, but to promote the oil and gas workers here in Alberta and also give money back to a good charity. So there's this thing going around in Power Alberta Energy. I love this. I don't know who came up with this saying. It reminds me of Don't Mess With Texas, right? That once you hear that, Don't Mess With Texas, I think it's from the 70s. And people all over the world know that. And it's like a battle cry, right? This Empower Alberta Energy, I love this. How do y'all feel? When I say Empower Alberta Energy, how does that make you feel? I feel great about it. I think that back to your point, Mark, of holding your head high, this industry is only 3% of the workforce in Canada, direct and indirectly, but they contribute to almost 7% of the GDP. That's and enormous. those are high yeah. paying, highly skilled jobs that also stimulate the rest of the economy here locally, but also across Canada. So I think it's time that the energy producers take back pride in what they do. I think it's important for the hypocrisy to end in the industry and for us to continue to educate the uneducated about what we do and how we can move forward part of the energy evolution that's taking place, but respecting that what the oil and gas industry is providing today will be continuing to provide that for the near future and beyond. Forever. Literally, modern life is impossible without the products from petrochemicals. Space travel is impossible, which by the way, people, hydrocarbons are abundant in outer space. They're just not organic. They're inorganic hydrocarbons. Hydrocarbons are also 100% natural if you think through it. The thing is, burning hydrocarbons for fuel is where the problem is. And every year we use less and less hydrocarbons for fuel. So people that are listening to me, the whole reason I bring all that up is the hydrocarbon industry will never go away. It will change. It's always changed. Not that long ago, we used to throw gasoline away. It was a waste product. And the profit margin from the oil and gas industry was kerosene. Well, that's changed a lot and it will continue to change. Young people. We have a lot of young people that listen to our shows. We have a lot of young people that question, should they even enter the industry because they're worried that it's going to disappear? I'd love to have each one of y'all's input on that. So we'll start with you. I was just going to bring that up, Mark. So I'm glad you brought it up. When I graduated from engineering school in 2008, moving to Alberta, 75% of my graduating class moved to Alberta. And Shell alone hired 10% of my graduating class. And it was the place to go because there was the biggest opportunities for really challenging and rewarding engineering work. You know, over the years, as that, I think, changed, that really was disappointing to me. But I think it's actually coming back now. And when we think about these concerns about, is the industry going to be here? And do I want to spend my career here? You know, let's take a step back. What are the two biggest challenges that we're facing on the planet right now? One of them, some would say, is the climate and climate change and emissions. And the other one would be energy and energy security and energy poverty, right? And lifting people out of poverty. And this industry is the intersection of those two. So if you want to work on the most important problems that there are in the world, this is the place to come work on them. So I had actually flipped the narrative and say, it's not that these people are in less demand. I'd say it's that people who can come and work in this industry are in more demand than ever. And we need those people that come here and be innovators more than we've ever needed that before. I love how you put that together, Connor. It's almost poetic. What do you think, Evan? Young people that want to come in this industry, what would you tell them? Yeah, how do you follow that? Connor, that was great. (laughs) Uh, You know, from my perspective, I'm a proud grad of uh, Haskane School of Business here in uh, the University of Calgary. And DeCascane was one of the tigers of Northern Alberta that stuck up for this industry long ago. So I think that you can take a lot of pride in knowing that if you're interested in being part of this industry, that there's a long legacy of people that have endured more difficult times than we've experienced now. 
and come out the other side. And you want to be a part of something that's going to be fun and exciting. It is. It's not the legacy, maybe oil and gas picture that most people have in their mind. I know from, you know, I graduated in 2014. So I would say I'm younger in the industry and it's extremely welcoming. That's the other thing that people don't understand is that just like every mentor you've met, they're excited that you're interested to be a part of something that they're so passionate about. So you may not find that elsewhere. So yeah, I'd 100% encourage anyone that's interested to be part of the energy producing community here locally to consider it because you will be welcomed. It really is like a family. You can go anywhere in the world, even if you don't speak the language. And once they figure out you work in the oil and gas industry, it's open arms, come over, have dinner. And that mentoring thing and that coaching thing is really important. Senior people in this industry, and I only know this industry, so maybe it happens to other industries. I don't know. But senior people in this industry love to bring junior people under their wings and show them. I'm not saying coddle them. You don't get coddled, right? If it warrants it, you're going to get pushed You know, maybe harder than you want. But educating them, giving them new experiences, new opportunities. I don't know any other industry that does it as well as we do it. And it really is like a family. Suzette, any young people that are thinking about coming to this industry or think they don't want to come to this industry, what would you tell them? I think the exciting time is, is because to what Connor was saying is, is you're looking for new technologies, new innovations to how to do things a little bit different. And so just because you think of oil and gas industry, that it's not necessarily that you're going to be working out in the oil patch. There are different associations that we used to work with whenever we were here in Alberta, that like Alberta IoT and Canadian Gas Association, that they're all looking for different innovation tactics to do things more efficient, reliable, security, and just innovate how we're doing it. To And so I think that somebody that's wanting to enter into oil and gas has the ability to maybe have some kind of interest in doing like data science or doing some algorithms or just doing something a little bit different than what you were to traditionally think of whenever you think of oil and gas. Yeah, it's a good point. The number one job that can't be filled in oil and gas in the States is data scientists, right? Robotics. We're hiring like robotics experts left and right. Accountants. Any type of technology person. It's not dirty, heavy steel. Any job. Sales. If you're a salesperson and you want to make bank Come work in the oil and gas industry. Marketing, we're 20 years behind every other industry in marketing. We need more marketing help in this industry than anything else. So any young person out there, regardless of what your degree is in, even things like wildlife management, forestry, we need people that actively hire people like that. So give it a try. Reach out. And especially if you hear local in Alberta, it really is. There are some of the top technology, top engineers in Canada come out of local schools here and you have the oil and gas industry right in your backyard, reach out to them. We love to have young people reach out. And speaking of that, young people, if you want an internship in any of these big companies, we have this people reach out all the time. You got to start a year ahead of time. Don't wait till May to try to get a summer internship. Start in the fall. But yeah, great, great stuff. All right. One last thing. If you had one thing, one bit of advice to give to somebody that works in this industry that doesn't feel like they're appreciated or doesn't feel like that things are as great as they should. Connor, I'm going to go around each one of y'all. What's one little bit of advice you'd give to them? My advice would be, you know what, head down, keep doing the work we're doing. We're making amazing strides in this industry. In, in the last five years, we've reduced methane emissions in oil and gas by 44% on track to exceed the targets that we've set. And it's one of the only environmental targets that Canada has ever met that we've set. 
And I think that the results will speak for themselves and we'll be able to be proud of what we're doing when, and the results will speak for themselves. And there's an analogy that I want to draw, Mark. I started in the industry in 2008 and it was a really exciting time because it was the onset and the advent of shale gas and shale oil, right? And if we think about what happened there, we had challenges in the 90s and in the early 2000s with energy security. And that's what people were worried about was the Arab oil crisis, gas prices. We need to find affordable energy. And as I mentioned, our energy mix is a reflection of the values of society and no industry is more innovative and capable of delivering on that than the oil and gas industry. We did incredible things and over a 10 year period, we changed the narrative from peak oil to full energy security, energy independence, and our economy boomed because we fueled a decade of prosperity in North America on shale, oil, and gas. And that was because that's what the industry was asked to do at that time. What I was going to say is this year, I think is the most exciting year that I've seen in this industry and even more so exciting than 2008. It hasn't felt like this in Calgary in a long time. And it's the energy of, you know what, we have a new challenge that we're facing and we're going to go and we're going to do the same thing over again. And 10 years from now, this won't be a conversation. Yeah. Give this industry a challenge and watch out. So before I move over to Evan, just real quick, Connor, if people want to learn more about your company, where should they go? www.westgentech.com. I will throw out a warning. If you search Google for WestGen, there's another WestGen and they do artificial insemination of cows. <laughs> so the, the, the key difference... They actually create a methane gas problem and we fix it. So just watch out for that one and click on the right link. You could not have made up more comic relief than that right there. We're also going to put a link to Connor's LinkedIn profile if you want to reach out to him directly. Evan, a little bit of advice. What would you tell somebody that works in the industry that is downtrodden, is disheartened? You know, What would you tell them? I would remind them that we have our longest day of the year that just passed in Calgary and the sun's shining right now and it's nice and warm. But six months from now, when it's late December and it's cold, and everyone's huddled around their Christmas tree, that they can know that they've played a part in making sure that everyone's comfortable and safe in this bitter winter cold that we experience in Canada every year. And so that the families that depend on them to make sure that they have heat in their home, it's because of them. Yeah, love that. And if people want to learn more about Emerson, where should they go? Emerson.com. If you want to speak to me directly, I'm sure my information will be made available. Uh, we just put your LinkedIn profile. If we put your email, you'll get all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, yeah. do so it. Just your LinkedIn do it. I want, I want all the, I want all wow, the love and the hate. No, I'm not don't, hate don't and put love. Mine. <laughs> yeah, just when you're on Emerson.com, you can search ZI SAS SCADA. Perfect. Suzette, a bit of advice for somebody who works in the industry and just isn't feeling the love. I would say get involved with different organizations. There's many different organizations. There's gas producers associations, there's PTAC, there's industry measurement group. I would find, find your community. And so that, that way you can continue to network and just not feel so alone in this industry, but you know, just get involved with the different organizations. That really is a great advice. There's a lot of good organizations out there. And Suzette, if people want to learn more about your company, where should they go? Okay, I'm going to follow suit with Connor here. So our website is autosolin, as in nancy.com. If you look at autosol, it's car polish made in Germany, but autosolin. <laughs> you can't beat the bullets of the insemination, but that's kind of close, car polish made in Germany. All right, and everybody, if you wonder where Kamal went, she just could not make the trip here up to Calgary, so I stepped in for a place. She'll be back for our next Houston Mixer. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. This has been powerful, good stuff. Hope to see you again here. And once again, just thank you for welcoming us here. OGGN is proud to be here. We're looking forward to doing more work with all of y'all. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Check us out next month for another engaging episode of the Mixer Connections podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.